On today's show, let's look at Evan Mobley's second NBA season, and I'm going to tell you why, despite how it ended, it was a success. Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm Chris Manning. I cover the NBA and the Cavs for outlets like SB Nation, Cleveland Magazine, the Just Basketball Show, and more. Evan Damrell is my normal co-host. He is on a, t- a little bit of a hiatus for the next two weeks or so. Some deserved time off. He's going to enjoy it. But Jake Stevens, as always, is producing. Why to thank you for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks for tuning in there. We do have some amazing new graphics. Really excited about these. Really excited about what we're building and doing here at Lockdown Cavs and, and the network as a whole. But the graphics look awesome. You owe it to yourself if you haven't to at least check them out and hit subscribe on our YouTube channel if you aren't already. All right, segment one today, the big takeaway from Evan Mobley's second year in the NBA, segment two, the playoff struggle, specifically on offense, because I don't think he uh, really struggled on defense. And segment three, the debate on the shot versus the handle revisited. I was team handle. I'm now team shot. I'll explain why. But to start with his big year two. 79 games played, 34.4 minutes per game, 16.2 points, 55.4% from the field on 12 shots per game. That's the same as last year, as his rookie year, by the way, in terms of shots per game. 67.4% from the line, 9 boards, 21.6% from 3 on 1.3 three-point attempts per game. That the same as his rookie year in terms of percentage down as a percentage, same on attempts. Where Evan Mobley got in year two is I think he ascended to being one of the league's very best, most virtual defenders. He is one of the league's best defenders now. For his second straight year, he contributed to winning basketball. That is because of his defense. He was a finalist for Defense Player of the Year. There are all these historical accolades, historical context on how rare and how early he is on this. I think there was a real case for him winning. I think Jaron Jackson was a deserving winner. I think Brooke Lopez would have been one. I think Draymond, had he played more games, I think, frankly, might have been one as well. But Mobley is there. He's going to win one in the next couple of years. I, I really think we're on that path with him where he is going to get a Defensive Player of the Year award sooner rather than later. And if you were said, I, I would love to see what like our friends at Fandle would set as the over or under for how many he's going to win. Is it one and a half? You set the line at one and a half. I'd take the over there, two and a half. Might take the over. The, the defensive upside, the defensive skill is already so, so high with Evan Mobley. And I think that is how he contributes to winning basketball. This is the thing with J.B. Bickerstaff that throughout the year, Bickerstaff kept coming back to with him. Even when Mobley isn't putting up these massive box score numbers and all of that stuff and the offensive stuff, which we'll talk about, didn't maybe 
progress in a huge, huge way you, you might have hoped for or expected for a, a guy that, that is this highly touted. He contributes to winning. He is the center, I think, of their defensive scheme more than Jared Allen. He is everywhere in defense, doing everything, can do just about everything. And he makes plays basically every game that take your breath away defensively. He is that much of a special defender. Now, is there still room to grow? Obviously. To me, he is still the best player in his class. He is one of the very best young building blocks in this game. More on that specific topic on Friday. There's a fun episode. Uh, Brennan Clean from Just Basketball is going to come and chat with me. We're going to go through Mobley's class, the Palo Bancaro class, and the upcoming Wemby class and see how Mobley stacks up in our opinions about how he stacks up as a young building block with those classes. So I hope you guys do tune in for that. I think it is also worth putting in context that this is a different kind of development path for him. Because of the Mitchell trade, things escalated. In a different circumstance, if the Cavs had just run it back, kept marketing, kept Sexton, maybe make some trades, but like really don't go get someone of Mitchell's caliber and, and the gravity and the responsibility he takes on an offense, Moby's second year offensively would have looked differently. His usage rate dipped a little bit from year one to year two. That doesn't normally happen for high draft picks who are as good as Mobley, who are going to get handed the keys to the franchise in the way he is. Usually, you escalate, you get room to grow and make mistakes, expand your game, test your limits. That's usually what happens. But Mitchell comes in, Garland's already there. That doesn't really get to happen for Mobley. That doesn't, that, that changed, I think, some of what could have come for him. He was not going to get that room to breathe when you get Donovan Mitchell in his prime and you have Garland coming off his first All-Star season. Mobley's just not going to get those reps. This made this a different kind of second year than Kate Cunningham would have gotten it had and gotten hurt, or Jalen Green got, or Palo Bancaro is going to get next year. Is that all bad? No. We, I think you see in these other situations where you're not focusing on winning and building good habits and having success, that can breed bad habits. That can create things that don't scale up or, or take you time to re-break re some habits as you go forward. That can happen. That can be a, a growth process. But I think it just means for, for Mobley, that is going to be different. What it exactly means, whether it means like his offensive growth is stunted, I don't think we can know that yet. I don't think so. I don't think that's really what's going on here. But I think it means that there are still some unknowns with what his offense is going to be and how he expands. There was really only, to me, one big kind of offensive shift in year one and year two. I think it's a little more physical, I think, kind of notably, but if there's a statistical offensive shift, he's, he's got to the rim more. So this year, 78% at the rim in year two versus 73% as a rookie. And he took a higher clip of his shots at the rim versus he did as a rookie. Pretty much everything else stayed the same. Mobley was more efficient in year two. He was more effective. That came from getting to the rim more. It wasn't jump shots. You know, it wasn't... He did, his assist totals didn't go way, way up. Obviously, this usage rate didn't go way, way up. He's not, he wasn't getting chance to finish stuff and, and play that around. But he was more efficient, was more effective. Had a really good chemistry in the pick and roll with Darius Garland, I think, in particular. But that is what he is on offense. Right? He gets to the rim. There's some, there's some post-ups they'll throw to him. I think there's room to grow as a passer and all that stuff. But he was a pretty contained offensive player this year. Elite, elite, elite defense. 
And I think offense that we need to see where it goes. It, it was very much set into a role that fit this group this year. Not a ton of opportunities than given to Mobley to make mistakes and grow. And maybe just the growth also, they, the jump shot, they saw it and said, okay, it's not there yet. We're, we don't need to emphasize this. If we're looking ahead a little bit to, to year three, which we'll talk about in segment three, um, I, I think giving him room to grow and getting him opportunities to make mistakes would be good. I understand you have Mitchell and I understand you have Garland and I understand, you know, you have guys you got to, that are going to get their shots. You're trying to win games, but I think the long-term health of Mobley and the long-term health of the Cavs, I think is going to be important for him to get to expand his offensive game and get the opportunity to make some mistakes that some of his peers do get the chance to make. I think that is an important part of the growth process. And I think Mobley deserves the opportunities to get some of that. All right, coming up after the break, we're going to dive into his playoff struggles, specifically on offense. And I think that explains some of, of where he is on offense, at least in terms of the games really mattering. But got to tell you first about our friends at Game Time. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite event should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. I know I'm going to New York this summer to visit one of my best friends. We're going to get tickets to Liberty Aces on game time. I've got it planned out. We're going to get the best deal possible probably the day before or the day of that game. They have flash deals and last-minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. There are images of seed views as well. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Plus, the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem that code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. Thanks for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. Every dayers, we, I'll be back tomorrow with Locked On Pelicans host Jake Madison to talk about Evan Mobley and what we can learn about his development path from Anthony Davis's. I hope you guys come in and tune in for that conversation. So, Evan Mobley's playoff stat line did leave you, I think, a little bit wanting. I, I think that is fair to say. I think with where Mobley is at and where he was at offensively, it left you a little bit being, okay, th- there's work to be done here. There is work to figure out as we go here. 37.5 minutes per game. points per game, 10 rebounds per game, 2 assists per game. 45.8% from the field. I think what we saw in the playoffs is really exasperated that he is a defensive first player, that there is a split there right now. Defensively, I think he was awesome. According to Clean of the Glass, the Cavs' defensive rating was 104.5. That is a great, great number. Offensively, they scored 102.8 per 100. That's 
not good. That is significantly below even like an average offense. That is not all on him, right? That That is not just on him to take on the responsibility of the Cavs having a bad offense. But there's also an obvious difference from the regular season. The defense was great with Mobley on, but the offense was also good in the regular season. There, there was a switch here that happened. What I think happened here is that he doesn't have an offensive role that really dictates the flow of an offense. So what I mean by that and saying he is not going to be the one that dictates the flow of what you do. He is not going to be the one that sets the, the template for what you're doing offensively. That is on the coaches. That is on Donovan Mitchell. That is on Darius Garland. That is on Karis LeVert even more so at times than it is on Evan, Evan Mobley. That's just the reality. For bigs in the NBA, unless you are Jokic and, and even Embiid at times, and even there, it's harder for him. It is just hard to be at the forefront of a playoff offense and dictate everything and have the ball in your hands a ton and be just kind of immediately at the center. Jokic is one of one for what he is. Mobley could really develop as a passer. There are a lot of actions with him and a lot of clips that I think are worth investing in and worth seeing where he can go in that capacity. But the Cavs don't all, to their fault, I think, in a way that could empower Mobley, I don't, they don't slash didn't do as much of the stuff like which, which Miami did in the playoffs, which is where Bam's going to bring up the ball and he's going to initiate the offense and get things just kind of moving a little bit. They don't push the ball as much. The Cavs, I think, often to their detriment, are a team that slows it down and their guards want to drag the, the pace of play down and they started the offense at like 16 seconds. Mobley, to his credit, is one of the guys that when he gets a rebound, he goes and goes and goes. And I think the team is better for when that happens. I think there are tweaks to come. You can look at the series and say, there's X, Y, and Z we can do differently. But they were not there in this series. So look, I, I don't think the offensive struggles reflect well on him, Right. I think that is very fair. I don't think you can look at this and say, this is a, a guy who can compete for us at the highest level offensively. Defensively, there's no question about it. Like this guy will be, this guy can play defense in NBA finals. And I think he'd be up for it and be awesome. There, there's no doubt on that for me. But I think the offense, this is kind of exasperates, I think, kind of the need for some evolution, need for some growth for Mobley on the offensive end. I think that's more than fair. I, I think he had this is a offensive first game, and particularly if you're going to play two bigs, and particularly if your team is is going to be defensive dominated and dictated the way. There's all these things about how the Cavs are built that I think they need more offense from Mobley. At the same time, I don't think it is it is fair to him to look at this and say this is his fault or whatever. On offense, where on defense, he is the scheme. He is the center of gravity. That is not the case on offense. He's part of the cog. He is not. He is a guy that catches lobs and sometimes they force feed post ups to, and sometimes creates his own or or gets the ball swung his way. He is not the alpha on offense. That is Mitchell. That is Garland. That's okay. He's a big. It's not going to always be easy for him to initiate stuff unless he turns into Jokic or Kevin Durant at seven feet or some other kind of not, I think, super likely outcome for him. It's just going to be harder for him to do some of this. There's a reason that I'm doing a show with Jake Madison about Anthony Davis tomorrow. We can talk a ton about, okay, what is the mold for Mobley? Is it Giannis? You know, is it 
I think there's some stuff for Jer- that Jaron Jackson Jr. does. I know that's going to make some Cavs fans mad, but look, go watch Triple J play offense. There is stuff he has grown into that has made him a real threat on the offensive end that Mobley absolutely could steal from and say, that, that is a template for me. That is something I can learn from. I think the biggest name player we have that can tell us about like what the struggles will be for Mobley, but also what he can be is Anthony Davis. This is a guy that took time to develop an offense, even now is having some real struggles, had some real struggles with the Lakers in the playoffs offensively, had some monster games, had some really big scoring games. But most of his value came from him being one of the most dominant defensive players, if not the most dominant defensive player for the run he was in the playoffs. That could be Mobley's future in some ways. But you need to actually get to a place where you're helping your offense function a little bit more than he did in this postseason. Now, this playoffs to me was about telling us where he needs to go. This is his first taste of this. He, history tells us that the, the guys at his caliber, the guys of his talent level, are going to get better from this. I think Mobley is the kind of, a, kind of guy that will adapt, that will grow from failure. If what we know about him is true... This will be a data download series of sorts where he gets better from this and then evolves from this. The Mobley we see in October when the games kick up again and maybe next April, next May, next... Well, I don't want to say June. That's, that's crazy. Let's, not, let's, let's get to May before we start talking about June for the guests, okay? I think that's fair. He will evolve from this and get better, and I don't think he will look this out of sorts, this poor again in that setting. I don't think that's the kind of caliber guy he is. I think uber highly of Mobley, he's going to go somewhere, I think, different based on the failures here. History tells us that this happens with the best players. They lose, they come back, they get better, they evolve. For Mobley on offense in this series, the evolution to come from this failure, from what did not work here, from where his offensive game is at, is the key for him. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day, every dayers. I'll be back tomorrow, with, again, with Lockdown Pelicans host Jake Madison to talk about Mobley. Anthony Davis, Pelicans are Anthony Davis, and what the Cavs and Moby can learn from how Davis was developed early on in his career. All right, so let's, let's get into the last segment here. Chris Manning, Lockdown Cavs. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for his work on, on production. We have the shot versus the handle debate with Evan Moby. Now, there's an episode in our feed, or at least a segment. It's been several months. We did, we've done a ton of shows since then. I, I, you, you forget things. I'm getting old. We did an episode about team jump shot, team handle, which one is more important for Mobley. I made the case for handle then. I was wrong, I think. The playoffs have made me a team jump shot guy. I think I'm just there now. Even something like a mid-ranger or a longer mid-range or like just a little baseline jumper that he consistently takes and hits would be a big deal. Even if he's just creating a little more space in that way and bigs are not sagging into the paint in that way off of him, there's more room for everyone. It is harder for teams to help. It will make things flow better. I don't think it has to be threes. That would be nice if Moby could you know, walk in a 35% from three on three attempts per game. That would be great. You would, you would take that, obviously. But it also might, not, might never be that. The free throw shooting as an indicator isn't like going to blow you off the water that he's going to figure that out. I think if you watch a shot, there's times where it's flat. There's times where it it does look really good and it has consistently high arc, but it's not like a consistent thing where he has like a mastery over and it's just bad luck. I think there's still work to do on that shot and it might not happen. That's okay. 
He's elite at a ton of other things and will get better at a bunch of other things. There are really good players in this league who do not have consistent jump shots. That's okay. It makes it harder at times. AD is a a point of that where it's like the year that he hit the most jumpers that he could, it it helped the Lakers win the title in the bubble. Since then, he hasn't hit jumpers as much, and the Lakers haven't won. I, there is some correlation, I think, there. There is some there's truth to AD hits more jump shots, the Lakers are better. Mobley hits more jump shots, the Cavs are better. There's, there's part of that. But I think beyond just can he make more shots, can he score 20, 25 a game with, with jumpers or whatever, I just think a jumper would give him more utility in sets. I think DHOs would be easier to run with him, for instance. You know, if he gets the ball at 18 feet on the elbow or wherever, and his man has to respect that he might take a jumper from there. There is more room for Mitchell or Garland or whomever to whip around him, get the DHO and get the handoff and go and have room and have fewer bodies to attack in the paint. And if they decide we're going to take that away, we're going to take away the, the, the action with the guards, we're more scared of them. He can sag it, he can take it, he could drive, he could get fouled. There's more utility. There are more counters built into this if he actually has opportunities to take the jumper. And I, I like those kind of sets, frankly, better than some of the post-ups. Mobley got stronger in year two, but he's never he's not a guy that's going to back you down, back you down, back you down. He hits some tough fadeaways and all that stuff. Those, those shots are fun. Like, it's good that he, that he has the confidence, the ability to hit those sometimes. That will matter in tight playoff games if he gets the ball in those spots. But that is not, I think, the best process. That is not the best offense. I think that is where the Cavs offense, in addition to the pace stuff, when they just throw it to someone and say, create something, go, go one-on-one. I don't think that is offense at its best. That is not the way to scale up and have a really, really good offense, which you need to win at the highest level in the modern NBA. I think Mobley getting in more dynamic situations would be really good for him. And I think that also includes him getting the ball off of live rebounds and going and doing all that stuff. This is also just not to say that the handle does not matter. I think some initiation, I think that will be key for him. I think some of that will be big for him as he gets live rebounds and goes and helps push the tempo. I think there are things you've seen Bam do where he brings up the ball and it it makes the life easier for the guards. I think even though Mitchell and Garland are better than the Heat guards, like I, I think that is stuff you could steal and just add more layers to your offense. I think more... Time with the ball in his hands and a handle will help his passing and limit his turnovers when he does post up and things like that. This all matters. This is all part of a bigger Evan Moby picture. But I I don't think like him handling the ball a ton is ever going to work with him as a lead guy in that way. And I think if you could see him push off of rebounds and bring up the ball at times to create looks and initiate some sets, that to me is is more practical than like he just has like an elite handle and figures it all out and and is hitting crossovers and with goal moving legs and hitting pull-ups. Like, I don't think that's what Mobley is going to be. I think he needs a tighter handle to protect himself and to, to ward off the ball getting poked away from him. Sometimes it is just harder because he is tall and there's, there's just more opportunity to poke the ball uh, free from guys when, when they're as tall as he is. But I think the jump shot just has more intrinsic value to him and his utility but all, and, and in a team context. That, that is what I got wrong. I think I looked at the handle and said, this is going to unlock the best version of Evan Mobley. That might be true in a vacuum, that he could load up and do all this stuff, and that's fun, and him being a hub. But I think a jumper and just a little more offensive utility would unlock things for a team in a team context. 
there's it would just help the offense evolve as well. And I, and I think he can do some of these things now. I think there there is stuff that I'm hitting at with the DHOs and what that is mostly there. But I think he needs more reps and more room to work on it, more room for the team to evolve the offense a little bit, and, and more room for him to make mistakes. I think that is all going to be part of this process. So let's see what the jumper looks like. Let's see what it comes back in the fall. Let's, let's get some workout videos. Can't wait for like August and we see him shooting in a pickup game and we're like, oh, he's hitting threes now? He did that last year and that's not indicative, but maybe you know you can get hyped about it, talk about it, get excited about it. I'm sure we'll talk about it if there, those clips go around from some of the runs he's in in the summer. I was team handle. I'm now team jumper. I've seen the light. Mobley needs a jumper. Mobley needs something to give, I think, just a little more offensive utility within a team context. I think that is where I'm at now as we as we look ahead to him for year three. Thanks again, by the way, for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Every day is I'll be back tomorrow with Lockdown Pelicans host Jake Madison. Thanks again for tuning in. Tomorrow we're going to talk about Mobley and AD. Mobley, uh, I think there's, there's stuff to learn from the AD development curve. But I've been Chris Manning. Check out my work, not just here, but SB Nation, Cleveland Magazine, Forbes, the Just Basketball Show, all of that stuff. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for his production work. Want a great next listen today? You can go check out check out that little watch, watch next call out on YouTube. Go to check out Lockdown NBA. After this. But until next time, I'm Chris Manning. This has been Lockdown Cast for Monday, May 30th. Be well. Enjoy the hoops.